Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Ty's Tech Line. I'm your host, Tyler Harrington, and thank you so much for being here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a very, very long time since I have brought to you a solo episode, but that is what we're doing today. When I originally started this podcast, my goal was to make it so I could just kind of talk to you guys about anything on my mind, anything I wanted to talk about, go more in depth on, just wanted to kind of clear my head of. This was my outlet for that. And somehow, Along the way, this podcast turned into an interview show, which I love. I love doing interviews, but I really want to just have the freedom to get on here, make an episode about something that's interesting to me, something I want to talk about more in depth, and that's what we're doing today. So today, we're talking all about the Canon EOS R, as you probably guessed from the title of this podcast. Now, I picked up the EOS R at the beginning of the wedding season this year. So we bought ours in early April of 2019. And I've been using it now for a couple months. We've shot six weddings with it and have had it in our hands for a while. So I just wanted to get on here and share my thoughts about it because a lot of people have been asking me, Ty, how do you like the EOS R? Why did you pick that one? Of all the cameras you could buy, blah, 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 all these questions. So I want to get on here, just kind of give my thoughts about the camera, answer some questions, why I picked the EOS R instead of all the other cameras I could have bought, where I think it fits, who I think it's for, all those sorts of things. So this is going to be relatively in-depth, more about my experience in actually using the camera, less about sort of the specs and all that sort of stuff. I do still plan on making a YouTube video about this so I can show some things, show how I set the menus up, show how I like to use the camera and show some of the quality. Obviously, that won't really come across in audio form, but... I do think that there's still a lot I can talk about on here. I think it'll still be really valuable to everybody out there. So let's jump into it. I'm just going to start giving you my overall impression of this camera and really how I came to purchase it. So I'm not going to get too much into the specs of this camera. There's plenty of videos out there and plenty of places you can go to look up all the different specs. But the most important thing you need to know is that this is Canon's real first dive into the mirrorless market. Yes, they have one or two. Like they have the M50, which is another mirrorless camera from Canon. This is really their first real attempt to compete with Sony and Panasonic in the mirrorless space where they've been getting crushed for the past four or five years. And it's a full frame camera. It has a flip out screen and obviously has an electronic viewfinder because it's mirrorless. And what you really need to know is that it has a new mounting system, which is actually really important to note. Uh, it's the RF mount. So up until now, most of the Canon lenses and probably I would say the most popular lenses on the market just in general for video is the EF mount, um, you know, like RED and a lot of these other bigger cameras that even they use the EF mount. So this is an RF mount, uh, which is just different. And right now there's only a handful of lenses that are even made for the RF mount. So Canon's obviously going to start building that lineup as well. And according to Canon, they say that this is going to allow them to um, have more technology going forward and make better lenses due to the way this mount is. And there's all these advantages of using the RF mount, which I'm sure will play out over time and we will be able to see. But right now there's only a handful of lenses and they're all really expensive. So for me, I already have a ton of EF lenses. So I use the EF to RF adapter. And when I bought my camera, it actually came with it for free. Actually, I bought my camera from Best Buy and I got the adapter for free. It's normally $99 if you bought it on its own, but a lot of the places I've seen online, you can get it for free. Um, But the nice thing about this is because it is a Canon adapter with Canon lenses on a Canon body, 
you don't lose any quality or any performance with autofocus or anything like that because they control the whole stack. They're able to, I guess, make it work. If you, for example, were using a Metabones adapter on your Sony camera for your Canon lenses, a lot of times people will run into issues with that where they have weird connectivity issues or they don't have all the controls that they would normally have or mostly you lose autofocus um, performance. It's just not as good as if you're using a native Sony lens on a Sony body. But with this, I'm getting basically native autofocus quality and abilities while still using an adapter so I can still use all my lenses. So that is really, really nice. So yeah, that's all you need to know about this camera. The flippy screen is really great. Um, it only has a single card slot, which I'm going to get into in some of like pros and cons. Um, but basically it's just a full frame mirrorless camera from Canon and I have really been loving it. It has completely changed the way that we shoot on a wedding day and it's everything that I wanted and more. And what's interesting about this camera, I think, is that when it first came out, it was really, really, really underwhelming in terms of specs. People kind of looked at it and scoffed and almost laughed at it and they're like, aha, nice try, Canon. Nice try with this mirrorless camera and better luck next time or whatever. You know, it got this really bad reputation just based off of the specs on paper. Because on paper, maybe it's not super impressive compared to the GH5, the A7 III, the still the rumored a7s3 like the rumors that are potentially going to be in that it doesn't necessarily like seem to be on par with those other cameras in the same price point in the same in the same space that we're talking about here but what i found from actually using the camera for a while is that it actually performs way better than i expected and i'm really really happy with the results so first of all let's just talk a little bit about how i ended up purchasing this camera and why I purchased this camera as opposed to, like I mentioned, the GH5, the a7 III, something else. So personally for me, I shoot with Canon C100s. Those are my main cameras that I use. And I've talked at length on lots of different Facebook posts and I have YouTube videos about why I love the C100 and why it's the best camera for me right now. And even though it is technically a relatively outdated camera, I love the C100s and that's what we use. So up until this, up until buying the EOS R, we have been using the Sony A6300 as our gimbal camera for weddings. So on wedding days, the way that we work is I have one camera, the C100 Mark II and a monopod. Ash has a C100 Mark I on her monopod. And then we have a gimbal, dedicated gimbal camera that stays on the gimbal at all times. Between those three different cameras and setups, that's what we use to shoot 80, 90% of the day. So having a really good gimbal camera that's going to stay just there was really, really important. So we've been using the A6300 up until this point uh, with a Sony 16 to 35 F4 lens just because it was small and light. And when I first bought it a couple of years ago, I was looking for something that was just cheap and would work. And the A6300 had really good autofocus for the time and it worked. And we got some really good results with that, but we ran into a lot of the issues that you'd expect from trying to pair Canon footage with Sony footage. And the biggest issue I really ran into with the Sony camera was the 4K on Sony on the 6300. It looked amazing. It looked fantastic. It paired very well with our C100s, but I started shooting a lot more slow motion with the C100 Mark II. So shooting a lot of 60 frames per second. And the only way to shoot 60 frames per second on the A6300 was to shoot it in 1080p. But the 1080p on the 6300 looks like hot garbage. It is mushy. It is not sharp. It is just not good. 4K looks amazing. The 1080p absolute garbage. So the problem was I was wanting to shoot 
more slow motion, but I wasn't feeling confident in the A6300 to shoot and to match the quality I was getting from my C100 with this 1080p footage from the A6300. And then having to shoot 4K to have decent quality meant I was shooting really big file sizes and I just wasn't really loving this setup and the colors just didn't match and all that sort of stuff. So I've been on the hunt and kind of debating over what camera to move up to from the a6300. So the things that were most important to me were because it's on a gimbal, I needed to have really good autofocus because yes, you can manual focus and I know that is possible, but I just got really spoiled by how good that autofocus was on the a6300 and for the way that I work and using the mechanical gimbals, it just, you need to have good autofocus. There's really no way around it. So I wanted a camera with good autofocus I wanted the option for 4K because I know that 4K is something that we're going to be moving towards eventually. I don't think we're there right now. In our business especially, we don't really need 4K. We deliver everything in 1080p. The C100s don't even shoot 4K, so that wasn't really a big deal for me. But I wanted a camera that could do 4K if I needed it to. And I really wanted something that color-wise would match better with my C100s. And they would just match up with C100s, especially at 1080p. I didn't want to have to shoot 4K to match the quality of the C100s. I wanted it to just work. And the other thing, like as I'm kind of mentioned already, is that we had a ton of Canon lenses. We're very, very heavily invested in Canon ecosystem. So if I could make that work and use the lenses that I currently have, that would be great. So I really highly debated between the a7 III and the GH5 slash GH5S. And I really went back and forth because I've seen a lot of friends of mine who shoot with those cameras, specifically the GH5. And I really like the way that it looks. The color science is pretty close to Canon's. There's a lot of advantages to the GH5 that I really like in terms of video capabilities, like unlimited recording times, the waveform monitors, lots of just like little nuancey things about the GH5 that made it seem like it would be a really good option. But the, the honestly, the big thing that held me back was that autofocus issue. And the GH5 just does not have good autofocus. And I know that there have been some software updates that have come out to make it better, but really it's just like, it's just not very good. So that kind of made that rule out for me and the low light micro four thirds thing having to use, I know you can use like a speed booster and you can get it close and I could still use my Canon lenses and like they could have worked, but the autofocus was honestly the thing that really held me back. The other option was to go up to the a7 III since I already had a expensive, nice Sony lens. Uh, I could have got onto the a7 III. It would have only had to buy the body. Um, And I could have used that one lens, but the only problem was I was limited right now to that one lens that I own. I had an adapter, so I could have used an adapter. The autofocus is much better on the a7 III, but then I always ran into the issue of the color wise, it just wasn't matching as well as I wanted. And like, yes, I think I, the films that I made with those Sony cameras matching my Canon cameras, I think that they were great. I think that the brides thought they were great. Most people in the world probably couldn't notice, but it was a little more work and I don't know. I just didn't love the idea of going up to that camera. The other thing that was sort of like a side, but still influenced this this decision was for us personally, um, Ash and I, whenever we would travel, I always had a hard time picking what camera to bring because we love to take photos. We have a background in photography. We used to be photographers. So we like to take photos when we travel. So I'd always want to bring the 5D Mark III and take uh, photos with that because we like having high quality photos. But the video functions on the 5D Mark III obviously are very limited. So we didn't really like to use that for video. So I really wanted a camera that could do both. And I love the look of the Canon 
full frame cameras for photos in the EOS R kind of checked all the different boxes we need. So it's a great stills camera. So we can use that for vacation. It's a great, it has all the video features that I wanted. It also has really great autofocus. So at the end of the day, after kind of debating all these different things and looking at the R, I finally decided that was it. And what really tipped me over the line was, again, when I first heard about this camera, I heard all these things like, oh, it's not gonna be very good. Oh, on paper, it doesn't match up, whatever. But I watched a couple YouTube videos where they were directly comparing the quality at 1080p between the a7 III, the GH5, and the EOS R, and they were all almost identical. And in some of the cases, the EOS R is actually sharper. And that was what kind of finally ticked it off in my mind was like, wait, I thought this whole time that if I got the EOS R, I'd be sacrificing quality or sacrificing whatever. But in reality, at 1080p especially, they all look pretty much the same. Sharpness-wise, they're all there. So I'm actually not losing anything. So then at that point, once I kind of realized that, that quality wise, it actually does stand up against the a7 III and the GH5 that, oh, in my brain at that point, it was a no brainer. It gave me the autofocus I needed. It gave me the photo abilities. It gave me the Canon color science. I could use all my Canon lenses. At that point, it just became literally a no brainer. So that's how I ended up with the EOS R. And like I said, I've been super, super, super happy with this camera. Um, after using it for six different weddings now, I've been really, really, really blown away by the quality and what I'm able to do with it. So I have a list of pros and cons here. I'm just going to kind of run through. Um, first, we'll do it with the pros and then I'll kind of move on to some of the cons because it's not perfect and no camera is perfect. Um, but there are a lot of really great things about this camera that I've come to love over the years. So the first thing is going to be the screen. Um, the fact that it's a touch screen is really awesome. I think that Canon has surprisingly really great touch screen technology in all of their cameras. So obviously the iPhone kind of has ruined everyone in that that is a very, that is kind of what we compare all touch screens to. And it's very hard to make a touch screen as responsive, as nice, as easy to use as you know if an iPhone touchscreen. But I think that the Canon cameras are as close as you're going to get in terms of responsiveness. The colors are really great. It's the touch feels good. You can swipe, you can pinch, you can zoom, all those different things. I really love having that, especially for the autofocus. It's nice to be able to just be going along with the gimbal with one hand. I can just kind of gently touch on the screen where I want the focus to go and all that stuff. And I can also use the screen to change all the different settings and all those types of things. So again, when we're working with this camera on the gimbal, which is where it primary, primarily lies, the entire wedding day, it stays on the gimbal. I'm always going to be holding the gimbal with my right hand and having to adjust everything else with my left hand. And it's actually works out really well that I can just use the screen to get to all the different things I need to get to get to them very quickly. And it's responsive and all that good stuff. The second pro or another pro, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to number them, it's going to go down the line, um, is the dual pixel autofocus. Um, I think that it's the best autofocus you can have in the industry for video autofocus. It is just super reliable. Uh, I feel confident shooting this at 2.8, uh, which for a full frame camera is relatively shallow for a gimbal for tracking for autofocus. So I shoot this thing at 2.8. It has face tracking. It will. It is just really, really smart. It's really, really good. It's really, really smooth. You have the ability to go in and fine tune a lot of the parameters in terms of how quickly it's searching. There's just so many different ways that you can customize the dual pixel autofocus. I honestly just use it the way that it came straight out of the box. 
and it works fantastic for what I need. So I've been really, really impressed with this. Again, I'm coming from the Sony a6300, which I think has really great autofocus as well. This is even better. Paired that with a touchscreen that flips out. It's just it's amazing. And then again, for other things such as taking photos, handing this to my, you know, my father-in-law to take pictures of us. He can just, I tell him just tap on our faces and it'll automatically take the photo. Little things like that just are, you know, really great. And I, so I love the touchscreen. I love the fact that it flips out, which makes it really good for video, uh, re- really good for YouTube, makes it really a lot more versatile. And it's just a really, really great feature. Um, Another pro is the color science. I hinted on this just just slightly, but I personally love the way that the color science is on Canon cameras. And people always are like, oh, what does that even mean? People just throw that around. And that's partially true. I don't know exactly what color science means. All I know is that I really like the image that I get from my Canon cameras. I like the way that it makes skin tones look. And obviously in weddings, just primarily what we do, having really good skin tones is really important. And most importantly, I don't have to do a ton of work to either of my cameras, to the C100, to the EOS R, to really anything to make it look the way that I want it to look. Straight out of camera, it looks really great. I have a very simple, subtle LUT that I put on top of everything just to give it kind of a more specific look and feel. And then as long as I'm nailing my white balance in camera, it just looks really good. I maybe add like a teeny bit of contrast, a teeny bit of sharpening in post, and I always am adding a slight amount of magenta. Again, more of a, just a personal preference than anything else. But I just like the way the Canon color science is and works. And I know that with the right color grading and with knowing what you're doing, you can make any camera look good. I firmly believe that. I just really love that with the Canon cameras and this camera specifically, I don't have to do very much. So I do have a profile that I like a more neutral profile that I shoot the EOS R in that just reduces the sharpness slightly, reduces the saturation slightly, and reduces the contrast just slightly. So I'm able to add those things back in post. But I'm not even shooting this in C log, which is another uh, pro is that the EOS R does have C log. So if you wanted to, if you love shooting in log formats, this gives you C log, which right now, if you wanted it for the 5D Mark IV, it's a paid upgrade. Um, I do have C-Log on my uh, C100s as well as this camera. So if I wanted to shoot log, if I had a good reason to shoot it, I could. I don't even use C-Log on my C100s because I don't think it's necessary for weddings. The way that I shoot, I figured out over the years how to shoot and get enough dynamic range um, without having to use C-Log. I just don't feel comfortable with it, but it is an option and it is a great thing to have if that's something that you need and you want to use. But I have found that even with just shooting in, again, that neutral profile, not in C-Log, that the dynamic range on this camera has been way better than I expected. Again, I'm coming from uh, the DSLR I had prior to this is the 5D Mark III. You actually still use that on wedding days as like our wide safety camera in the back of the back of the church or the back of the ceremony or whatever it might be. Um, and compared to that, the dynamic range on this camera is night and day. is so much better. There, I, again, I'm not going to get into the number of stops or whatever. Again, what it says on paper, all I know is that when I'm shooting with this camera... I get much better dynamic range than I expected from a mirrorless camera and it pairs very nicely with my C100 which has really really great dynamic range because I shoot it in the wide DR color profile so it matches very well with that so I've been very happy with the dynamic range coming out of this camera Um, which leads me to another pro which is just image quality in general Um, the sharpness from this camera is fantastic again it's right on par with my C100s which if you don't know the C100s actually has a 4k sensor that it's down sampling to 1080p in camera and the result of that is you get a very very sharp image because you're basically doing what you would do 
in the computer in terms of shooting 4K, downsampling it to 1080p. It's just doing that in camera. So you get a, the C100 is notoriously a very, very sharp image and the EOS R pairs very well with that. So I've been very impressed with how sharp it is. Again, the, the color science, the dynamic range, everything I'm getting, getting out of this camera, I think just works really, really well with a very minimal amount of color grading and color correction that I have to do on the back end. Another pro uh, to this camera is the frame rates. Again, for me, I don't need anything crazy in terms of high frame rates. I just need to shoot really good 60 frames per second at 1080p. And this camera does that. Um, it offers 60p 1080, which is all I want. It does do 120 uh, at 720p. Again, if you really want the super slow motion, yes, there's other cameras that do more slow motion at 1080p. I don't really care about that. Um, I just really like the way that it looks. And it has a lot of different options in terms of IPB and all I and lots of just different compression options. And when you go to actually change the frame rate on this camera, there's so many different options. And I just think that that's great. I think the more options you have, the better because it can fit whatever it is that you're trying to do. It gives you lots of options. Another pro, which is maybe not necessarily so much for video or for weddings, I expect this camera has Wi-Fi. Again, this is kind of old news. Wi-Fi is not a new thing, but I'm coming from the 5D Mark III, which did not have any Wi-Fi. So the fact that this has Wi-Fi on it, and um, this is perfect for me because I'm a new dad. We have a almost three-month-old now, and just the ability to take a photo of her real quick, send it over to my iPhone, edit it on my phone and post it on Instagram or send it to my family or do whatever with it is a really nice feature. So I know that Wi-Fi is not new and a lot of the new, almost all the new cameras have Wi-Fi, but I love it that this camera has Wi-Fi. Um, the size and weight are great. I think it's a good, um, middle ground of it's not too tiny. It has enough, you know, it feels good to hold. The grip is still pretty similar to the same size as my 5D Mark III, but all in all, the whole body is a little bit smaller and all that sort of stuff, which makes it really easy to pack down and travel with. When I have the whole thing rigged out with the adapter and the 24 to 70, which is the lens I primarily use and all that sort of stuff, it's not like a tiny little camera. It's not nearly as small as the A6300, but for what you're getting with the full frame and not to have it overheat and all that sort of stuff, I do think that is a really nice size. Um, I also really love that it uses the EP6 batteries, which I already own a ton of those, again, from owning Canon cameras over the years. So over the years, we've had 60D and the 5D Mark III and the 6D and all these different cameras, and it uses the same batteries as all of those. So I didn't have to buy new batteries. I already have six or seven of them laying around that I can use, so that's really nice. Um, the adapter, which I talked about um, earlier I mentioned it just works perfect like it, I forget that I'm using an adapter a lot of times because it just works so perfectly it's so seamless and flawless working with the autofocus you can't even tell the difference but what's really cool is that they they have the basic adapter that just connects the camera to the lens but they have a couple other adapters that you can get and the one that I really love that I just picked up is the ND filter adapter so basically um, where the adapter is there's a little disc that slides into the adapter that has an ND filter. It's a variable ND filter built right into the adapter. And this is great because one of the things I love the most about the C100s is the fact that they have ND filters. I love shooting at proper frame rates and I love being able to control the light using an ND filter. So the fact that I can now just drop this little circular disc into the adapter so it's sliding actually behind the lens which gives me ND on any lens that I'm using, no matter what scenario, and I can dial it up and down really easily just using this little dial on the side of the adapter. 
it's game changer. It is game changer. It is mind blowing. It is one of the smartest things that Canon has probably ever created. And it's just, it's amazing. That alone, I think makes this camera so much more valuable because it is the best way that I've ever seen to get an ND filter onto a DSLR slash mirrorless camera without having to use a step up ring or a proprietary ND filter for the end of your lens. It's amazing. It has changed the way I think about this camera and I absolutely love it. So that just the fact that the Canon has that and it exists for this camera, I think is a really good reason to buy it. Um, this camera actually does have focus speaking, which I love. Again, coming from the C100, I'm kind of spoiled. Just when I go back to the DSLRs and mirrorless cameras, I'm missing a lot of these features that I love from my C100. So the fact that this does have focus speaking, so when you are in manual focus um, and you can see an indicator on the screen of what exactly is in focus and what's not, that's great. I love that. It's just one little added bonus that you know Canon was really listening like, hey, people use these cameras for video. They need some of these very video specific things. And that's just one of them. So, and then the last thing I want to talk about is the 4k codec. So this is not the first Canon camera, DSLR, mirrorless camera, whatever to shoot in 4k. The 5d Mark IV shoots in 4k. The 1dx Mark II shoots in 4k. There are other Canon cameras out there that you could buy if you want to shoot in 4k. But up until this camera, Canon has, for whatever reason, I do not understand why, but they have been using the archaic, terrible, awful, godforsaken MJPEG, motion JPEG codec in 4K. And basically, all you need to know is that this is a very, A, it's very archaic and outdated. And I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. I, don't, I think they're trying to handicap these cameras, honestly, so that you would go to another camera that shoots in 4K. But for some reason, the only other real camera you can shoot that, that shoots decent 4K in Canon is like the C300, which is nowhere near the 5D Mark IV. Anyway, the motion JPEG format, the reason why it's terrible is because it's humongous. Like on a 64 gig card shooting 4K on the 5G Mark IV, you get, I think, around seven minutes of footage for a 64 gig card. So that just makes it, in my mind, almost unusable for a wedding day. It's just these massive, massive, massive files. But with the USR, they finally made it so that the 4K codec is H.264, which is the normal 4K codec that everybody else in the world uses. It makes those file sizes much smaller. They're not small, but they are much, much smaller. And in 4K, they give you the option for the all I versus IPB, which again is going to really decrease your file size. So not to get in too much into the weeds and to go too deep into the difference between all I and IPB, but basically all I means that um, every single frame, however many frames that you're shooting, the sensor is capturing the data from the entirety of the sensor. It's capturing every single pixel data from the entirety of the sensor for every single frame that you're shooting. That's all I. IPB, what it's doing is it's choosing one frame per second and using that as a keystone frame. So in that one frame, it's going to capture all the data from the entire sensor. And then what it's doing is on all the other frames. So if you're shooting 24 frames per second, the other 23 frames happening in that second, instead of capturing for each, each frame, the entirety of the sensor, it's only going to capture the frames or the, the pixels rather 
that have changed from the keyframe. So this actually means, so basically what you need to know is that all I is what you should use for pretty much most of the time. If you're, if the camera is moving, if the scene is moving a lot, if you're on a monopod or a gimbal, especially, or doing anything where the camera is moving, all eyes, which you going to want to use. That's going to give you the best quality. It's going to be the, the, the correct choice. But IPB is really great for anything that's locked down. Cause if you think about it, if you're shooting an interview and it's locked down, yes, the person's mouth will be moving and maybe your subject will be moving on, on the frame, but 80, 70% of the pixels from frame to frame to frame to frame aren't changing, right? The background's not really changing. Anything around the person's like head, mouth aren't really changing. So you don't really need it to capture all that data for every single frame. So the IPB option, this isn't just for 4K, this is for any Canon camera that shoots all I or IPB. The IPB option is gonna give you a much smaller file size. And if you're using it in that correct scenario, again, locked down on a tripod, something like that, or in the, again, the back of the church for a ceremony, it's going to be much smaller file sizes, but still retain a lot of that quality. You're not going to see any sort of artifacting or tearing uh, because there's not a lot of movement. If you're trying to use IPB and there's a lot of movement and motion and stuff like that, you might start seeing some weird artifacting and stuff like that, but it actually makes a huge difference. So for 4K, all I, it is 480 megabytes per second. So that's 3,444 megabytes a minute. So it's like 3.4 gigs per minute at 4k all I. Okay. So then if you, but if you go down to 4k IPB, it's 120 megabytes per second, which is still very high. It's only 860 megabytes per minute, which is like 0.8 gigs per minute. So the difference between that is between all I 4k, it's 3.4 gigs per minute versus less than one gig per minute for IPB. So this actually is nice because it gives you the file size of 4K or it gives you the pixel density, the pixel size of 4K without having such a crazy high file size. So for interviews, things like that, having 4K IPB is huge because it's a two thirds less data and it's a really great option. So all I have to say is that the 4K in this camera is actually usable for weddings. It's not nearly as crazy or nearly as high as the MJPEG format. And it just makes this 4K actually viable and usable. Now, this brings me into some of the cons, which one con that everyone will point out is that, yes, there is a slight crop in 4K. Okay, that's not great. That's not ideal. It would be much better like on the 1DX Mark II, you get the full full frame sensor readout in 4K. That's fantastic. However, it's not really the end of the world. For me, I'm already shooting on the C100 again, which is a crop sensor body. It's a super 35 millimeter sensor, which is a 1.6 crop. And I think the crop on this is 1.7, something like that on the EOS R. So it's almost the exact same. So it's really not that big of a deal. Again, if you're shooting a micro four thirds, you're looking at a two times crop. The crop thing in 4k is again, people make such a big deal about it, but in reality, in all practicality, it's not that big of a deal. It's really not. It's all fine. Yes. Would it be better if there was no crop? Yes. hundred percent. If, if I would wish that there was no crop, but I don't think that it's worth like not buying this camera because of the 4k crop. A few other like little cons. It only has a single card slot, which I don't love. Um, 
But honestly, like the 5G Mark IV has a dual card slot, but Canon doesn't let you write video simultaneously to both card slots anyway. So it's not like it's really going to make that much of a difference in terms of the, the single card slot. Um, it has a 30 minute record limit. And then that is more of a taxation reason than it is a physical limitation of the camera. It just has to do with the way that these cameras are classified in terms of like being a stills camera versus a video camera, they're taxed differently. So they put a 30, they have to put a 30 minute record limit on it in order to be a stills camera, whatever. It's annoying. It doesn't really matter for me. There's, I like having, (laughs) again, it's one of those things. I like having the full frame or like the ability to record unlimited time, amount of time with my C100s. And when I, but what I use my C100s for, for corporate stuff, long stuff, that's what I'm going to use. I'm not going to use the EOS R for that. So it doesn't really matter for me. It's not ideal, but whatever. The file sizes are large-ish. They're not nearly as small as the C100s. But again, like I just told you, you have the all I versus IPB options. And if you use those strategically, you can get pretty good file sizes out of this. Um, there's no, no, there's no 4K 60P which some other cameras in the same price range do offer. Um, So if that's really important to you, you know, this camera doesn't have that, but whatever. Um, The button layout on this camera is new uh, coming from the 5D series. And I don't know if I love it. Um, They've got some weird, like just some weird buttons that they've kind of added. Like there's like a slidey button thing at the top. Um, There's like the mode dial is a little bit different. Um, the record button is not my favorite. It's kind of small and inset and sort of hard to press. It's not the worst I've seen. Like it's way worse on the Sony cameras, but it's not uh, as good as I'd say it would be like it is on the 5D series. So some of the button choices on this are interesting. I would kind of put that into a bit of a toss up between like a pro and a con. You can get used to it. And again, I think having the touch screen really makes up for that because I don't really have to use the buttons very often. Um, to navigate menus and change things on the fly. Uh, I don't love it as much as the 5D, but I'm, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. And then the screen, uh, it could be brighter. You know, it's any screen like that is tough on a, on a bright day. It's kind of tough to see the screen. The fact that it's flippy and allows you to be able to angle it makes it way better, you know, on a 5D, which is a locked a locked screen where you can't rotate it. Um, you know, there's nothing you can do, at least with this, you're going to have the option. You can turn it away from the sun or into a shadow or whatever. So it's, it's a good screen. It looks good. It's, I like the colors. It's accurate, all those things, but it's, it's not the brightest, but all in all, I mean, cons wise, I don't think there are very many cons for me to this camera. Um, again, for some people, the no 4k 60 P might be a game changer. might, might be a deal breaker for you. Right. But for me, it's just not. And I'm just really, really, really happy with this camera. And it's been interesting to see over the lifetime of this camera, the way that the perception of it has sort of changed. And I was watching a video yesterday. Somebody was saying that they think this is now the ultimate like vlogging camera, right? Because as a flip out screen, has good autofocus, good image quality, good low light, all those things. And it's kind of like the perfect blend between a photo camera and a video camera and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, so that's those are like the pros and cons just in terms of what I have found from having and using this camera. Um, but mo- again, but the most important thing with any camera is how you use it. So in terms of a wedding day, I'm going to kind of just go through really quickly how I'm using it. And I, like I said, it has completely changed the way that we approach and shoot weddings. And I'm going to tell you a little bit why. Okay, so on a wedding day, 
I had this camera rigged up with the Canon 24-70 on the Zion Crane 2 um, the entire day. It's where it lives. The lens doesn't change ever. Never comes off of there. And then I have a little Rode Video Micro on top for scratch audio. Okay. That's how it's set up at the beginning of the day. And it stays like that literally the entire time. And the reason why this makes my life so much better is because I have full confidence in this camera that I can get great shots. They're going to look really amazing no matter what, where I was not confident at all in the a6300. Using the 24 to 70 on this, it gives me the flexibility to get every shot that I need. So I can shoot wide shots. I can shoot wide establishing shots. I can shoot wide static shots. I can shoot wide moving shots. I can shoot tight shots. I can use it for portraits of the bride and groom. I can use it for details. I can use pretty much everything because of the, because of the combination of the 24 to 70 being very versatile, having a high level of trust in the autofocus and knowing that just quality wise that whatever I get back out of this is going to match my C100s perfectly and is going to look really good. It has allowed me to feel less tied down to shooting the C100 and allow me to do more with this camera and therefore move faster and all those different things. Because what I used to do was I would shoot with the C100 Mark II on the monopod for portraits and things like that primarily. And then I would like lay that camera down and go pick up the A6300 and then I would shoot a few shots. I would have them walk, I'd have them do whatever. I would only really use it for movement shots. But the problem was that this was kind of cumbersome. I had to have the two different cameras. The C100 is already not a light camera. So it was really difficult for me to carry the C100 and the 6300, you know, the two different things. It was, I couldn't, I'd have to find somewhere to set the 6300 before I could shoot the C100. It was just like a lot to kind of balance or Ash and I would switch off where she would have the C100 and I would have the a6300 and then whenever i would be done with my movement shots we would switch so she would just stand there holding the 6300 watching while i'm shooting with the c100 and it just became this sort of like musical chairs working around the fact that i was not confident in that camera but now with the eos r i am 100 percent confident in this camera so what now what we do for portraits is i just keep the eos r in the gimbal and ashes on the c100 Mark II, we're both shooting 60p. This is mostly I'm, thinking, I'm talking about for portraits and like things like that, like all the beauty shots. But what it allows us to do is we're able to get a huge variety of shots and a lot more shots because we're not worried about switching back and forth, we're not worried about anything like that. So she's just off to the side with the C100 and the 85 1.2. So she's shooting from the side just for beauty shots, just for like very specific shots. She's picking off with that long lens and that beautiful bokeh and all that sort of stuff. She can, she's able to stand off the side out of the way of me and the photographer. And then I'm able to get pretty much everything else. Like I said, if I want to get a, like a static shot of their hands, I can just zoom in and hold it nice and steady. And because of the gimbal and because of just my ability to use the gimbal, I can get a nice steady shot. I can get a like a nice little um, parallax shot around their hands. I can get a moving shot. I can zoom in from 24 to 70, back to 50, whatever I need. I can get all the shots I need with just this camera. 
It also has allowed me the freedom to a lot of times on a wedding day, what would happen was the photographer would be taking the bride and the groom and maybe the bridal party off to go somewhere after the ceremony between the ceremony and the reception to go do a portrait somewhere, maybe like the Capitol building or something like that. And then, but then by the time, like the shuttle and everything, we'd get back to the reception it would only be, you know, 15 minutes before we had to do introductions. And that's just not enough time for Ash and I to set up all the stuff we need for the for the reception from a video standpoint for our audio and our tripods, like all that stuff. So before what I'd have to do is I'd send Ash to go to the reception by herself and set everything up. But then I would have to by myself manage the gimbal camera and my C100 and all my lenses from my C100 and like all that sort of stuff just to be able to have like the quality of the C100 because I didn't trust the A6300 and all that stuff. Now what I'm able to do is I'm able to go with just myself and the EOS R and the gimbal and nothing else. Like I just take that and maybe like I'll have an extra battery and maybe my memory cards, but I can go and just take that just take the EOS R and know that I'm going to get a variety of shots that are really high quality that match the rest of the film and I can shoot in 60p, I can shoot 24p, I can shoot moving shots, I can shoot static shots, I can shoot establishing shots, I can shoot anything I need to shoot, I can shoot with just that camera. And that freedom has been amazing. That freedom has completely changed the way that we think about the wedding day. Now, do I think that the monopod and the C100 are done? Like, I don't need that anymore. I should get rid of it. No, not at all. I think that there's a place, a time and a place for the C100 and the monopod and for like bride prep and cocktail hour and anytime I'm using like a really long lens or whatever. Like, I think there's definitely a place for the monopod. And I think that shooting with the monopod is a skill you still need to have. And because I've shot the monopod for so long, that allows me to think about the gimbal shots in a very specific way. But having the option to not have to juggle back and forth between both and not have to choose quality over convenience or whatever, just being able to choose just the one camera with the one lens and go from there has been amazing, has been really, really great. And has just allowed me up to get more shots, to have more flexibility and to think about the wedding day in a completely different, a completely different way. And then the second area where I've really seen a big change in the way that I'm able to shoot because of this camera is the reception. So at the reception, I love to be on the gimbal. The gimbal is where I love to be for the dancing. I love to be in the action and I'm right up on the dance floor and I always am out there rocking and rolling. However, with the A6300, I ran into a lot of issues sometimes with the fact that we only had an F4 lens. It was a crop sensor camera, so it wasn't super great in low light. And then especially if I tried to bump it up to 60p at 1080, um, it was just, I was getting a lot of, it just didn't look good because I'd have to push the ISO higher because I had to bump my shutter to 120 and I didn't trust it in low light. It already doesn't look super great in 1080 to begin with. So when you start taking the 1080 and then pushing it to like a high ISO, it's just like not a good combination. So I was shooting a lot of my dancing footage at 24p, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with 24p dancing footage. I just really wanted to be able to shoot some of it on the gimbal, get slow-mo gimbal shots of dancing. And I wasn't really able to do that with the 6300. But with the USR, because it's a full-frame sensor, it does much better in low light, so I can push that a little bit higher. I'm using the 2.8 lens, so I'm already letting more light into the camera. And all in all, it just is much better set up for me on the dance floor. And again, because I have the ability to zoom from 24 and get that wide shot of the whole room or get real in close. And I love being like really right in the action, the middle of the dance floor, 
feet away, you know, two feet away from the person who's dancing. And the 24 looks great for that. But if I want to stand a little bit further back or focus in on people's hands or some other types of, you know, B-roll-y type shots, I can do that. I can zoom in real quick to 70. Again, the autofocus is going to look really good nail those shots of somebody's hands pumping in the air or tighter shots. And it gives me more variety. That was one thing I noticed with the a 6300 when I was shooting was that I didn't have a lot of variety because I it was 16 to 35. It's not, it's a more limited zoom range. Even at 35, I'm not zoomed in that closely, all those types of things. So yeah, so the reception wise and I can use the EOS R now to shoot the entire first dance. So the way we do our dances is a lot of times we're delivering full full dances. So people have paid to have the entire dance from start to finish delivered to them for um, in their final gallery or whatever, which is great. Um, however, it's really hard to shoot both coverage for that full full dance as well as shoot creative shots. Um, but so the system we have now, again, because of the EOS R is... Ash will shoot on the C100 with her 85 millimeter lens. So she's shooting nice and tight and she's standing right next to the 5D Mark III on a tripod with a 28 millimeter lens. So the 28 millimeter lens is our nice wide safety shot. That's, you know, head to toe the entire dance floor. So that's, you know, the one shot. Ash is standing right next to that with that tight shot. So between just those two cameras, the wide and the tight, I'm able to have perfect coverage of the entire dance. So I can go just cut back and forth between just those two angles. So for that full dance delivery, I can use that. And now because of the 24 to 70 in the EOS R and the quality and the autofocus and all those things I just mentioned, I'm able to shoot the rest of the dance by myself. Getting again, getting a combination of some moving shots, some tight shots, some detail shots, some static shots, shots of mom crying off to the side. I can pretty much do everything I need to do move around the whole dance floor, do whatever I need to do with just this one camera, not have to worry so much about like what Ash is doing or whatever. And then I don't have to also sacrifice. So I could all, obviously I can get all those same shots with like my monopod and my C100, which I was doing before, but it was really hard for me to get any moving shots. And I really like having some nice dynamic moving shots of the first dance to mix into the final film. So now you can't do that with the C100, but now with the USR, I can get the best of both worlds. So that has really, really changed the way that we're able to approach like just that part of the wedding day because of this camera. So all in all, like I've been saying, I'm just really, really happy with this. And a lot of the pros and a lot of the ways that I've seen the changes in how we use this camera at a wedding day came as a surprise to me. Like I didn't expect that. I honestly expected to use it in the same way that I used the a6300. It was just in my mind, it was going to have better color science. That was really all I was hoping. I didn't really anticipate all of the advantages and all of the ways that I've seen myself shoot differently on a wedding day to the point now where I shoot more with the EOS R than I do at the C100. And I'm like afraid to admit that because I love the C100 so much. And I love the look of it. And I'm trying to find that balance still between bouncing back and forth between the two and like when is the appropriate time to use the C100? When is the appropriate time to use the EOS R? But what I, again, I just love that I have the option to do either. And I am just so impressed with this camera beyond what I ever anticipated. I, again, I was a doubtful when it first came out, but now that I got my hands on it and I've been able to use it and seen the results and seen how good it looks. And now that I've added the ND filter, this is by far tied with the C100. I don't know. I don't know if I can say it's my favorite camera ever, but it's like really high up there. Um, 
and then I haven't even really talked about like the photo abilities, but the photo abilities on this camera are amazing. It has replaced our 5D Mark III in terms of taking still images of our daughter, of our family stuff, of whatever. And when we travel, this is all I have to bring. 24 to 70 USR, throw that in a bag, good to go. Video, photo, doesn't matter what it is. I can get really amazing shots and feel really confident in both the photography ability and the still ability. And I just love this camera. I can't talk about it enough. So hopefully this has been helpful to you guys out there who are listening. If you're interested in the EOS R, I really think you should check it out. I, I think it's worth at least renting, at least like put it back in your considerations if you're um, in the process of buying a new camera. And you're probably just like I was, you're debating between the GH5, the A7 III, and the EOS R. And I'm not saying that you have to buy this camera and that you'd be foolish to buy any of those other cameras because those other cameras are great. They have their own pros. They have their own cons. But for me, in the lenses I already own and the ecosystem I'm already in and the way I like to work, this camera has been the best purchasing decision I've made in a very, very, very long time. Now, you need to decide for yourself what's important to you. What are the most important factors that you're looking for in a camera? What do you need the most from the camera that you're purchasing? And then buy a course. I am a firm believer that there is no perfect camera, that there is no right camera, there's no wrong camera. And honestly, that the camera doesn't make or break your business. I'm not trying to tell you that if you buy the EOS R, you're going to book more weddings and you're going to make your clients happier and all those different things. I'm just giving you my experience with it. I think that it is a really, really fantastic camera. And I really just wanted to clear up some of the misconceptions that are out there about this camera. So that's all I have for you guys today. If you have any questions, if you want to know more specifics, if you want to see some examples of this camera in use, like some actual physical examples, you should definitely go check out my Instagram. It's at Tyler Harrington. I have posted a bunch of screen grabs from this camera. I have posted um, a bunch of wedding highlights using this camera. So definitely go check that out. Again, anything that's a gimbal or honestly, probably pretty much anything that's a portrait most likely came from this camera. Um, and I, I'm just super happy with it. So yeah, go hit me up over there. Let me know if you have any questions. If you have any feedback on this episode, I'd love to hear over there as well. I know people have been asking for this. And definitely go check out the YouTube channel as well. I just posted a video on there about all of the gear that we use for the 2019 wedding season, including the EOS R. But I kind of hinted on some of the new pieces that we have, some new stuff that we're using. And what I did is I went through the entire wedding day and kind of broke down what we use for each part of the day. As opposed to just saying like, we have these five lenses and these four cameras or whatever. I kind of went through how we use them, why we use them, all that sort of stuff. So definitely go check that out on the YouTube channel. You go to my Instagram, you can find the link or there's a link in the show notes below. Go check that out and give us some love and let me know what you think. But yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Hopefully you guys like this solo episode. Um, it's been a while, but I just had a lot of thoughts as you could hear about the C100 or sorry, <laughs> about the EOS R. I want to get them out. So thank you all for listening. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you in the next one.